Hey guys, this is Matt from Like a Storm, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalheads, Scott here. And Richie. And, uh, you know, as predicted, believe it or not, we're back. I mean, I know a lot of times podcasts go, we're going to take a break, and then uh, they never come back. But, uh, damn it, we are like a rash or herpes. We just keep coming back. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, it's, it's good to see you. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been a little while, but it's, it's very cool. And uh, I think it's great, too, that the way that some of the audio worked out, and I thank you very much for continuing to get those things while we were on break. Yeah. Is uh, that uh, it worked out that it's good that we kind of have a, a half discussion, half uh, interview thing this week. So that that's kind of a nice way to slide back into the whole thing. Yeah, this must be a first this year. We've two two episodes of discussion pieces back to back. It had to happen sometime, yeah, we right? Had to, we had to have a four week break <laughs> to get it done, though. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's very cool, and uh, and uh, we've got uh, this week. We have a guest, uh, Chris Brooks from Like a Storm. They just released their brand new one. Was this, this the third, right? I believe so. And because uh, we had uh, we had Matt, right? We had yeah, Matt on went tr- with uh, tr- with the initial one. Yeah, three. There's three brothers in the band and a drummer. And it's not a brother. Yeah, and a didgeridoo. too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had Matt on, and then I know you got to go up to uh, Salisbury and see them do the acoustic thing with. Uh, was it Hinder? Hinder. Yeah. I, I, Hinder came on stage. I was walking out the door. And uh, and uh, so it was very, and, and you know, that one there, I mean, it was good and there was a lot of promise on that. And, and now this week, uh, you know, Chris comes back on and, and uh, much heavier. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't think they would, they come up to this. It, it's heavier. And then in some cases, like the first song on it, it reminds me a little bit of, um, it's got some kind of Linkin Park to it. Yeah, it is definitely uh a 90s mishmash of everything. There is, yeah. But that one, I don't know. For that one there initially, and maybe it's because I was thinking, wow, this is heavier, but what does it look, seem like? And then it was like, but this has kind of got that, that Linkin Park feel to it, which is not a bad thing, but it was, yeah, I'm, I'm liking it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is a solid album. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first one was kind of, um, it was a little, more, a little more poppy. Yeah. You know, um, and I think, I think this one here kind of shows that they decided to, to go for a direction. Yeah, they just know? said, fuck it. Yeah. Plug in. Yeah. <laughs> they so, definitely uh, did. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's good. So it, it's cool. I'm glad you got to, got to have Chris on. And, and to be honest, I was totally like out of the loop that they were even coming out with another one. So it was very cool. Well, there's so much music coming out now. You it, think? It's, um, you blink and you're <laughs> onto the next one. It's insane. Yeah. Well, I keep getting all these emails from all these bands I've never heard of. Yeah. And, I'm, and then... Just when I'm considering who I might take on, because we only do one show a week, there's 10 more emails from uh-huh. nine other bands that yeah. I've never heard of. Yeah, it's been, like I said, I, I appreciate you taking up the mantle with the interviews. My work schedule's been just, like, freaking crazy. And, and uh, I mean, literally, like, you know, getting up at 6 in the morning and getting home at, at, at 8 and basically taking a shower, going to bed and doing it again kind of thing. So. Oh, I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so I, I appreciate it. But uh, anyways, you know, we got a little discussion, I guess, ahead of time before mm-hmm. we uh, dive into your talk yeah. with with Chris. And, yeah. uh, you know, one thing I'm, I'm hoping is that uh, that Maiden will actually bring the uh, that their new legacy, the Beast Tour over over here at some point. I mean, they're doing Europe. 
but uh, and doing tons and tons of dates on it. But uh, you know, I, I know that uh, you know early on they kind of did a thing with uh, with the fan club magazine where they put the Legacy of the Beast graphic for the tour on there, and that whole graphic is full of all the clues for what the set list was going to be. But uh, I, I thought it was I thought it was a pretty cool set list. I don't know if you've had any. Uh, any chance to kind of keep track of what was going on with it or the songs on it or anything? Yeah, I had to look at it. Um, Maiden, every every second tour they do, they drop a lot of the songs from uh-huh. the previous tour. Yeah. Like when I saw them here, was it last year or the year before? Last year. It was Book of Souls. Last year. It was like, it was, it was one week back from this week, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah, you're I probably got a text. right. I was like, hey, you realize tonight we were at Maiden last year? <laughs> so... Last year's tour was Book of Souls. I think they played five songs or six songs off. Did it. a lot of yeah. And um, didn't do Empire of the Clouds. Thank goodness. Well, they can't. They, I think <laughs> Bruce said they can't do that. Yeah, it's impossible to do yeah. live. Um, but every second tour, they change up the set list. Yeah, they'll, they'll bring out an album and they'll promote the shit out of it, and then they'll do like a, a bit more of a greatest hits right. tour, the one after. And this is what they're doing this yeah. time. Yeah, and it's it's good. I mean, it's. I remember the first year they did that with a matter of life and death, and they were just kind of really hate to say it, but kind of coming back here in the U.S. And that tour, they actually played the Aganis Arena at BC. Okay. <laughs> so, and you think now, like that'd be impossible for them to do. I mean, look at how you know how packed Xfinity was for the last tour, right? Like Twenty thousand, and it was for Book of Souls, right? Yeah. But I remember when that one came through that there were a lot of fans that were really pissed that they basically you know did a lot of a matter of life and death and i remember that bruce got a lot of flack for it and or at least he was being kind of the spokesman got a lot of flack for it but i guess it was more like the fans like you and i as i mean our age group that were more upset about it and a lot of the younger fans or people or fans that had just started to become discovering maiden and were more familiar with a lot of the uh current albums they really were into it so it's kind of this thing of catering to those fans and to us in this kind of back and forth. And I, I think it's a pretty cool way of doing it. And, and they're pretty, pretty, uh, pretty clear about what they're going to do once the tour launches, which is great, too. Yeah. Well, I saw them in Dublin just before the Final Frontier came out. And they played, I think it was three or four songs from uh, Brave New World. Mm-hmm. So they were focusing on that yeah. record a bit. Yeah. And then when I saw them on the, was it Somewhere Back in Time tour in 2012? Yeah. They played four or five songs from Seven Sun. Yeah. So what they'll do when they do the, the greatest hits thing, every second tour is they'll spotlight one of the early albums right. and just play half it. Yeah. Um, what are they doing on this one? Is it a matter of life? Not a matter well, of life. Well, not really. I mean, for this Dance one here, it, it, you've got, I mean, there's, it's pretty much, you've got what, four songs from Peace of Mind. You got three from Number of the Beast, uh, two from Power Slave, and then it's all the other albums that things come from. It's one song, okay. so they have like one from Matter so of Life and Death, four one from, from Seven Sun. You know, so it's uh, it's a much more varied set than mm-hmm. they've been doing. I'm I'm very bummed. There's no wasted years, uh, so I kind of got like a. So even if they do bring it around, I'll still be bummed because that was the final encore last time. Yeah, I was left there before it, mm-hmm. so I missed it. <laughs> um, it's that one's actually my my girlfriend's favorite Maiden song too. I love it. So we were like, oh, 
I love that album. Yeah, but I, but I, I mean, that's pretty much. I think probably that is my favorite Maiden song. Is "Wasted Years," um, followed by "Running Free." So it's a big gap there. But uh, yeah, it just happens to be it happens to be her favorite one too. So we were both kind of bummed. And then, of course, Allison was giving me crap about like, "Oh yeah, they played that. Oh, you missed it. Oh, you idiot." And so I think uh, her and Paul had a good laugh at my expense. <laughs> Maiden are one of the few bands that will challenge the audience. Yeah. Um, Nearly all the fans will know all the songs, yeah. but they won't play the ones they want them to play. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of the fans just want them to play Up to Seven Sun every yeah. single time they come around. Just yeah. play Up to Seven Sun and Maiden go, yeah. fuck you. That's no, no fun and it's, no, it's not good for them. And the, the other thing too that Maiden always puts on a show. So it isn't like... Um, Even Yannick. <laughs> well, yeah. Even Yannick, everybody is kung fu fighting. Um, <laughs> but but they don't. They're not like a band that's been around for you know forty odd years kind of thing. And they just come out and look at their shoes and play the songs. And and even if you, it may not be the favorite song that they're playing, there's a show going on the whole time, and you just don't forget a Maiden show. And how many bands do that? So even if you don't like every single song. There's always something happening and something to watch, and it's it's they just they put a lot of effort into it, so it's it's kind of hard to complain in that aspect of it. You know, yeah, Maiden have always been um, driven mm-hmm. and stubborn, and that's the great thing about Maiden, and that's the thing that drives fans mad as well, because Steve Harris might decide to put all these songs in the set, yeah, and might piss off a lot of fans, but that's one of the reasons the band are great too, that they will actually. Sure. Do things like that. Yeah, and you know, and it was interesting. I think it was. I think it was the last fan club magazine, and they were talking to Steve, and uh, they asked him a very interesting question. And it was, "Do you ever think you'll get to the point?" Uh, because you know, we're, just like a lot of us, they're getting up in age that we you will just record albums and not tour anymore. And he was pretty solid of like, "No, that's I. I don't want to do that. It's not what I." what i live for he's like i like to tour we like to tour i can't i can't see us being a band and just being a studio band and that's that's pretty interesting i mean the amount of energy and everything they put out in the show and that he doesn't want to compromise that mm-hmm. which is pretty cool and bringing you know bringing the music to the fans and stuff so i mean there's a lot to be said for that yeah it'd be interesting to see you know where they go from here in the next couple of years because steve said in a recent interview that there's a really there's a good chance they'll do another album, mm-hmm. but Nico is getting up there. Yeah, and um, I think he's probably in his mid sixties now. Yeah, and that's a tough gig. Yeah, they play a lot of shows. They yeah. play for two hours a night. Um, same with Bruce. Uh huh. Still sings great and runs around. I I'm amazed he can still do what he does. Not only that, but I mean, think about that. Right, that, I mean that last show we saw. That was a hot fucking night. Oh, yeah. And he had Holy a hoodie on. crap. He had a hoodie on in the beginning. I yeah. was like, what the fuck are you and doing? I mean, yeah, because, of course, they got to make it so that they can use the footage from one to another to kind of, they can string a DVD together. I know. And I'm just like, holy crap, the hoodie, the gorilla mask. I mean, everything mm. else he was doing. And that guy was soaked. And then he had to fly the band onto the next <laughs> show. It's So it isn't just running around and stuff, but, I mean, to really, like, dehydrate yourself that much every show as well and stuff that's pretty incredible yeah i think they have it down to a fine art by now like i think rod smallwood they have the manager there has been there since the beginning one of the best managers out there they're not going to make rash or 
rash decisions on tours. They're not going to play three nights back to back. Right. You know, they're well able to pace themselves by yeah. now. Because they, they put on a, a fantastic show still. They're one of the, one of the metal bands that I've seen them, I've seen them a lot, a lot of, mm. load of times now. I've never seen a bad show. Yeah. They always put on a great show, yeah. And I can't say the same about a lot of other bands that are out there now. It's, it's true, and I, it's it's kind of it's it's amazing to me too that to think that you know they were one of the those original metal bands that I you know that I got into, and to think that I'm still buying new albums from them, still loving what they're putting out, still going to see them. They still have the same kind of energy and intensity. It's it's like holy crap, you know. It's amazing, mm. you know. And like the last album was a double album. I know a lot of people think it was too long. And well, if you, you take like, if you take Empire of the Clouds off of it, yeah, they don't it like kind of cuts of, it down. <laughs> they don't like some of the intros and the proggy stuff. But and 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 I'm 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 actually one of those people that. But again, you know, I said that about um, about Final Frontier as well. And when it first came out, I was really like, oh. and you can go back. I think maybe it's episode ten. I don't remember which one it is. But Jay and I talking about it, and and I had a big beef about oh, the freaking intros. But then you know, revisiting it again, it's like wow, these are awesome. Mm. But when I first, and I think maybe part of it is because you get this new Maiden album, and you want to get to the song, and you're like, I got to sit through this damn intro to get to what I really want to hear. So it's, I think part of it is an impatience, because before you know, you put on Killers. Had a lot of, despite what Steve Harris is going to say, punk influence in there, and it got to the point pretty damn fast. And and now they they've kind of stretched out. You're right; they've got the prog is creeping in there and stuff. And I guess for some old school people like me, I I just kind of want to get, get to the punchline. And so that initial initial listen, I'm like, God damn it, I just, I don't want this. Hmm. But yeah, I go back, and it's it's similar to um to what I had with Death Magnetic. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Just these long intros going in, and I was like, I don't want this. I want to go back to kill them all. So, but hey, I get over it. Still and another, another thing, Maiden do that I really like is um, they play the Blaze stuff, and Bruce sings it. Very true. And um, I think it would be nice if one or, one or two of the shows they got Blaze to come up and sing the song. Uh huh. I think that'd be really cool. I saw him. What was what show did he do? I think it was on one of the Doro anniversary things. Oh, solo? And he came up and sang. I think it was the Doro thing. Maybe at Vakken. And I was like, he still has, he still has the voice, but he doesn't, ha- doesn't like have the same energy he had when he was with Maiden. Okay. I saw him at Wolfsbane supporting Maiden. <laughs> wow. Supporting Maiden. Holy crap. No prayer for the, no prayer for the dying <laughs> wow. tour. Wow. Yeah. Wow, there's a something right there. That's yeah, cool. So they were they were looking at him back then. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so you said you had something you wanted to. Uh... Yeah. So a little while back, there's um, there's a club we went to. Uh, remember where we went to see Striper? Yeah, down in in Mix Med- three sixty in Malden. Malden. I can. All right. I think Malden Medford. I can never keep right. them straight. But so Malden. Yes. We went there, and. Um, Fucking band are on at all hours. And uh, so yeah. LA Guns played there. And we had to sit through mass. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not, not, pr- not the praying kind, <laughs> the band. And um, so LA Guns played there a little while ago. Really? Yeah. 
the like the the Two. missing piece LA yes, guns. Correct. Okay. So you're probably talking three, two or three months ago. And um, so I I'm on the Facebook page. So I get all the things that pop up about all the bands that are coming because I like to see yeah. who's coming where. Yeah. Like Ticketmaster don't do them all. Sometimes they're no, only, they don't. Not they're only especially not like Club Three Six. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, they announced that LA Guns were playing, and people started commenting on uh, what time they were going to be on stage. <laughs> right. So the venue started commenting back saying it's up to the band to decide what time they go on stage. Uh-huh. Right, so I put up my hand straight away. That's <laughs> shit, right? And I put in a comment, and I said, uh, no, th- this is not the show I'm com- I'm as myself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I put in a comment saying, um, so if the band want to come on at 9.15 or 9.30, that's okay with you, right? Yeah. And the venue, <laughs> venue commented back within 10 minutes, well, there's support bands on beforehand, uh-huh. right? So they had the uh, the banner for the show as the post yeah. on the top of the yeah. top of it, and I said, um, "Doors open at eight o'clock. You've only got one support band listed, yeah. right? So if they want to, and I said it again, if they want to come on at nine or nine thirty, you're okay with that. They banned me, <laughs> right? And I was like, you're fucking kidding me, right? Because I called them out, yeah." What they were saying was complete bullshit. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I know it's bullshit, because they were playing in the Tupelo Music Hall on the Sunday. Uh-huh. And they were on stage at eight. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> they advertised what time the band comes on. And if it says eight o'clock, the band are on stage at eight o'clock. Especially the Tupelo. Yeah. Yeah. So they were... So well, the John Ross coming there in April. Correct. <laughs> he was supposed to be there a couple of months ago. He canceled the tour. Oh, is that why? Because I was like, he yeah, was just so, there. No, he didn't. He canceled the tour. Ah. And... um yeah, so they they put the they put the bands on at eight o'clock. Yeah, so they're telling the bands what time they're on. Yeah, it's never up to the bands. Never, no. they got to sell more drinks. Exactly. <laughs> so they banned me, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with some of these people? Uh huh. Um, they they don't want me to come in five minutes before the show starts and leave when it's over, right? Yeah. But Striper played there recently. Yeah. Right, and um, I couldn't go. Because of where it was, yeah. what time they'd be on, and it was Mother's Day the next day. Yeah. And I was all, I was hooked up. Yeah. Tickets. Yeah. The whole nine yards. Yeah. And I, I had to, and then when I found out it was what week it was on, I was like, oh, hang on, Mother's Day is the day after. Yeah. I was like, I had to email them back and say, I can't go. The yeah. band are on too late. It's ridiculous. They're yeah. going to be on stage at half 11 or 12 o'clock. And Mother's Day is the next day. There's no way I'm doing that. Right. Right. But, um, so so that was that and then it got me thinking about you see all these um I don't you're not on Facebook probably as much as me but you see a lot of band sites and fan sites and um you can't put anything negative on it at all mm. and I'm like you know you want to get discussion going yeah like we live in a world where um you know no it's not good if everyone agrees about everything. Yep. Right. And I think that's what a lot of the fan site, fan pages, and a lot of the band websites want you to believe is that everything is great about the band. And I remember looking at Rat Rat's um, Facebook page. I've been looking at it a little bit the last few weeks because, of course, they started going out again. It's just Stephen and Juan. Okay. And actually, Chris Saunders 
is in the band, and he was really? the first show I ever did for Focus on Metal. Yeah, at Chris Saunders yeah. for Night Fury as yeah. an interview. Yeah, right. So he's he's in Rat huh. with some other guitarist I can't think of, and Pete Holmes is playing drums from Black and Blue. Right. So Carlos bailed. Yeah. Warren, depending on who you listen to, was either fired or, or not fired. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Jimmy DeGrasso just decided probably I I'm having none of it <laughs> or he was let go yeah. there's been nothing really said about that either right. um, but people were putting up comments you know the you know the obvious comments are no Warren no rat sure. it's not rat that's it's, right it's not rat it's not it, it can't be rat and then you had people saying it is the band are going to be great and other people were putting in comments to the administrator can you not take all these comments off? And I'm looking at it and I'm going, why would you want to take them off? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a rat Facebook page. You don't want 200 comments where everyone says everything is rosy. Yeah. Like when you look at a band like Rat, you have Stephen and Juan going out as Rat, right? A few years before that, Warren and Bobby were going out as Rat. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the <laughs> definition of dysfunction. That band, <laughs> that band is the de- definition of dysfunction. Yeah. Um, they, they're all in their mid-50s. They could all get along, go out, yeah, earn yeah. some money, and they decide not to do it. And people are giving out because people, you know, other people are commenting, saying, it's not rat, Stephen sounds terrible. And if you have evidence to back it up or you're sharing your opinion and it's not getting personal, yeah. I, I don't have a, a problem with that because people put stuff on our Facebook page. I've never taking a comment down. I'm like, that's your opinion. Sure. That's your opinion. I that's don't have right. a problem with it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's what makes the world go around. Uh-huh. I agree. You disagree. Let's have a discussion about it. Right. Yeah. But you, you see some fan sites and it's like, I, I won't put, I won't, I don't want anything negative about the band here. And I'm like, there's a very fine line between being a fan and being a fool. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, yeah. that's my opinion. It's like, if you honestly believe that everything the, the band Especially does is now. great, Especially now, because I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing when I was growing up, right? I mean, you really you you had you know like Cream and and you know you had like Kerrang and you know other magazines stuff. You didn't have you didn't have like this. We'll call it direct access. You didn't have this instant. You know, blabbermouth gives you the news about everything every second that it happens or anything. And there was still a mystique to the band. So you were usually always more on the fool side than the fan side. Yeah, you know, I mean, hell, I, I, you know, growing up and stuff, I, I thought like you know, bands like like Kiss were infallible and like everything was cool in Aerosmith and you know, and it's how couldn't be more fucking wrong than yeah, ever, right? I'm a fan, just, but, but just, you also weren't having information shoved in your face every second. True, I, and, and now you've got more of a chance of being more of a fan and less of a fool. Yeah, but I like that analogy, by the way. I'm still a fan of Rat. Yeah, but I don't like what they're doing now. Yeah, but that doesn't make me not a fan anymore. Right. I'm still a fan. I still you know, care. The, well, the interesting thing about that, though, too, is that, you know, you have the European thing of you don't just simply because the band isn't flavor of the day anymore go, oh, I'm not a fan of them anymore. Which is like everybody else I'm sure that you grew up with is the same way. The bands they like, they still have some support for those bands. Hey, they like those bands. And they may not like what they're doing right now, but they, weren't, they won't just be like dismissive of them either. So I think part of that's probably you know, not not correct, but it's cultural. Yeah, I, I just don't get the um, remove all the negative comments. Yeah, no, it, it does that just yeah that doesn't make sense at all. Um, and I'm wondering is um, is someone in the band telling him to do that? I doubt it. Or is it just the admin doing it themselves? Yeah, I doubt. I don't because the band normally the band don't run these no 
Not a lot. Not for a lot of them, they don't. Some of them do. And you did make an interesting comment uh, on an interview, and I'm not going to say who you interviewed, but you'll recognize it, that you did ask the question, you know, about the people, you know, in in a band and and being in their 50s and, and why can't they just get along for a few years? Go out and play, have fun, and make some money. And I thought that was a great question. You got a great answer out of the out of the person too. But I was like, "Damn, that's a good that's a good question." And it's such a it's such an obvious like smack you in the head kind of a of a concept. Mm. You know, you got a few years left. Yeah. Make, make coin now while you can. Yeah, and you know, I you know, and I thought about that. I I actually had to stop editing and I had to think about it. And I was like, you know, wow, you know, as uh, as much as sometimes like that Mark and I didn't get along all the time or whatever, I'm like, you know, you're right. If 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 he was he was, you know, living back around here and he wasn't living next to CJ Snare and would he be, you know, hey, we'll play and could we get along? And I'm thinking, well, you know what? I where I'm at right now mentally, I probably would. It'd be like, Yeah, all right, I can I can do this. Hmm. I can get along. We can you know, we'll probably have fun. We agree on everything. No, but I think we'd probably have dialogue and and, you know, work it out just fine. And it's like, yeah, it's just yeah, I, I kind of thought a lot about that, about people that I played with before that, okay, there's some people I probably would be like, nope, <laughs> I just can't. Yeah, but these guys, they're not going to be on a bus for six or seven we- or eight weeks no, on end. you're it's right. weekends. Yeah. You say hi, you go in, play your gig, and you piss off for four days, yeah. and then maybe two weekends after that, you play a few gigs again. Mm-hmm. You're not in each other's face as much as you used to be. Right, and, and, and that's the thing. I mean, once you, when you hit the stage, it's like... It's a totally different thing. You're, you're just you're playing, and and you're right. You get off the stage, and you're in a bus or a van or whatever. Yeah, that gets that can be tedious if you don't like the person. But yeah, once you're up there and you're playing, oh man, all that should just fall away. Hmm. You see, people. One of the other comments. Look how you, purple did it. Oh, <laughs> oh, on and off, and on and off, and on and off, and on and off again. But but um, you see people. And uh, they'll comment, that, like, just to bring it back to Rat again, why doesn't Stephen Piercy go out as Stephen Piercy, you know, with Juan? Because, yeah. and the reason is uh, probably 20 grand more because he goes out as Rat. You're damn straight. It's all about money. Yeah, you're damn straight. It goes back to our discussion years ago about the whole Queensryche thing. What's Queensryche? What are we seeing? Hmm. You know, and you get, you have the... You'd have the uh, one one picture on the bill and you'd go and go, oh, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, it's the name... The brand name, not, yeah. not necessarily who's in the band. Yeah, you know when when you find out years ago that like Britney Fox wanted to go out with just Billy Childs. <laughs> that's a good one. That's like the best. <laughs> you know the bass player. Yeah, it's like really. Our Bobby Blotts are going out as rap. right. That's I know the Billy Childs one is going to be the ultimate. Every time I think about that one, I laugh my ass off. Yeah. yeah. So, and then of course the other thing then is um all the drama with Great White. I was only catching a little bit of that. I actually, I even saw a tweet um, just come through when I got home today. No, actually, it was a response back to you. Yeah. On what Twitter. Was it? <laughs> yeah, they let Terry Illowis go. Yeah. After he just did a couple of shows. And uh, Terry found out via the internet after just being with the guys. Yeah, what was it? I, I... And um, of course, Jack Russell has now got in on it, uh, saying that it's, it's despicable what they did. And. Of course, Jack brought it back to himself because he, he, you know, he was kind of fucked out the same way. And although he does say it was all his own fault, but um, 
yeah, they've got Mitch Malloy uh, singing now, and really they should they should get Jack back if they can. If there's you know because he's the voice of Great White. Absolutely, Mitch Malloy, Mitch Malloy is a great singer, but is this is Great White like Skid Row, where they'll they'll do anything but get the best known singer back in the band? Is it worth our while financially to do it? Will it put more bums on seats if Jack Russell is singing with Great White? Will right. They, will they play bigger venues? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. They've always, I mean, they have that whole station thing that kind of hangs over them like just forever. Well, where we are. Now, now I'm not from here, of course. But yeah. And I moved here after all that happened. I've had people tell me, sent me messages saying that they'd never go see Great White again after that. Now, yeah. Maybe some of them knew somebody who got killed at it or whatever. But yeah. um, um, there's a memorial there in, uh, where was it, Rhode Island? Yeah, Rhode Island. And um, yeah, that was tragic what happened. But they lost a band member as well. They did. The bass player got got killed. Um, so, you know, they, that band has been through... A lot. Yeah. And, um, but they, they're one of the bands as well in the mid to late 50s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've great white, Jack Russell's great white. Yeah. And I mean, that, that album that, that, that Jack put out it's, last it's, year, it's a good album. It's January last sounded year. Good. Yeah. We had him. Voice was, sounded good. We had Jack on. Yeah, yeah. But he can still sing. Yeah. And he's the voice of that band. Yeah. And like Terry did two albums. And I'm being honest, I, did, I don't have either of them. Yeah, um, I've heard one or two songs. Ter- I love X Y Z. Terry's a great singer, but he put eight years in with the band. Yeah, played a few shows, and then they get rid of him, and there's no reason why. They're, like they haven't come out and saying, he, yeah, he th- something happened, and um, either either Terry is just completely ignorant of what happened, or he's just trying to act surprised, and he really knows, and eventually yeah. the truth will come out there, m- maybe. Yeah, but um, did. It seems to me that they had the singer ready to go. Mm. Like Mitch yeah. Malloy was like, oh, Terry, you're gone. By the way, <laughs> this weekend, Mitch Malloy is going to sing with us and he's our new singer. Wow. Like, it's yeah. probably been in the car- on the cards for a while, maybe. Yeah, could be. Yeah, uh, yeah. like I said, I, I, I just caught that. And that yeah, because actually, I got to tell you, we got one guy on Twitter. He's got to probably be like our number one Twitter well, retweeter. Well, you're tw- I, I don't is, look at the Twitter. You uh, is, do. Uh, is David Bennett. He. Dude, you know, you listen to the show. I definitely appreciate the fact that you're you always comment on Twitter. You're always retweeting on Twitter. Uh, I, I always see like your name come up every day. So I got to say, as far as Twitter goes, you are the man. So uh, yeah, we definitely appreciate listeners like you. So okay, I always forget to say that, but and no, if I've you, said it. If you disagree <laughs> with me, I will uh, delete your comments. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good. But uh, hey, you know, so back to back to guests this week, and uh, you know, Chris Brooks. Uh, it's pretty cool the fact too that you know, with the three brothers in the band, that that um, you know, he was just as articulate about stuff as Matt was too. Because sometimes you kind of get the one guy, and when you get when you get a different guy, you're, you're kind of wondering, are you getting the non-spokesman? Kind of like when we had um, we had Jimmy DeGrasso on, right? And it's like, so oh, we're gonna get out of Jimmy because he's really not the, the you know the main guy. But he was freaking great, right? I mean, both times we had him on, it a was lot. great. We got a lot of them, but uh, it was great to see that it's. It seems like it's a real equal partnership with the Brooks brothers, and uh, you had a great a great talk with with uh, with Chris, 
And uh, yeah, I, had, I just no, it was pretty cool. I had him first. He was the first interview. Yeah. Now, if I had been the eighth or ninth interview, <laughs> I mightn't have got the uh, the same answer. I, I don't, don't know. Because you, you kind of put the, you know, like we did with Matt. You started talking, Matt, about rugby and everything. And and uh, so you kind of, I think you make a different connection with the people. Hmm. And, and, and that recharges them. Yeah, one of the things that was nice when you do the show for so many years, it, um, Matt's, when we interviewed Matt, mm-hmm. we had one album. Yeah. And... Um, I was, I listened to it a few times, liked it. Um, we, we, you know, we said, right, we'll inter- we'll interview Matt, and I didn't know what to expect. And then at yeah. the end of the interview, he said it was an awesome interview. Mm-hmm. He said he really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, when when you know when people say that to you, it's like, okay, that's a very nice thing to say. Yeah, no, it, it always it always makes you feel good, and it is. You know, I think you've hit a, a pretty good stride on interviews. And uh, you've got a style, and it's personable, <laughs> and but but you know you you, you kind of hit some of those things, and it 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 sparks people up. And, you know, you know, interview. I had I had the last interview with Joe Perry, but once he found out, you know, a Boston boy played a lot of the same clubs he did mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It was like, and he realized I could pretty much recite like things right out of his book and stuff. He was like, you know, he just perked right up. You know, and was willing to talk about all kinds of things because it was like, okay, yeah, you know. And then the same thing with with Shanker is the fact that, um, you know, sitting there talking to him about wah pedals and stuff, and he's like loving that because who's talking about that? Not me. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, so much, so much, so that you know, the next time that he was doing it, he was like, I was the only person he wanted to talk to, and he remembered everything we talked about. You know, and, and and it's kind of, the, yeah, you make those connections with a lot of people and it, it's pretty cool. I think the first thing a lot of people pick up is, uh, where are you from? Hmm. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. all right, you're from Ireland. Okay. Cause I think they're expecting an American accent. Yeah. And they don't get an American accent. So. But yeah, keep keep doing them. You're kind of keeping that end of it afloat and I, uh, I definitely appreciate it. Yeah. God knows who I have lined up next. <laughs> Cool. So why don't we say we uh, we roll your great talk with uh, with Chris Brooks from Like a Storm? Sure.
Hi, Chris. How you doing, Richie? I'm good. I'm good. So where are you based? That is a very interesting question for us because we kind of span about three countries. Um, right now, I'm in Vegas. Okay. Um, we're here just for a couple of like um, VIP fan things, and we had a, a fan competition for pre-ordering the album, so we had a, a listening party, a private listening party. So we came back out here for that. Uh, this is where we made most of the record, and then um, and then I do a show, and then I go back to Toronto, which is where Kent's based and where Matt and I spend a lot of time, and then uh, and yeah, get to New Zealand whenever we can. Yeah. Now I interviewed Matt for the first record, oh, cool. and um, well, not your first record, the last one, and um, awesome. So I started talking to him about rugby. Ah, uh, awesome, dude. Yeah, and he said to me that. I was the first person to ever mention rugby to him in an interview. And I'm like, you're from New Zealand. How can you not mention rugby to a New Zealander? Oh, I know. I know, man. <laughs> I know. And it doesn't come up very often, but uh, it always comes up, you know, if we do shows with uh, the guys in Caesar and uh, any Australian band, those kind of things, we all sort of share that love of a game. Yeah. Are you a big cricket guy as well? You know, I am, but really just in the context of, of watching it with my granddad. My granddad in New Zealand um, watches a lot of cricket, so when I go around there, we'll kind of have it on the television. But, um, I mean, the game lasts, like, at least an entire day. That's the short version, you know? So, unfortunately, I don't I don't often find myself with a free day to watch the cricket. But it's uh, yeah, the cricket. You know, a couple of beers. Couple of beers and cricket goes well together. Yeah, cricket to me, you know, when I was growing up was, um, you know, that was the game for me. I played it, and uh, so I grew up with um, it was Hadley, the Crow Brothers, John Bracewell, Ian Smith, all those guys. Were, were, wow. Yeah. So I, I awesome. saw I saw them all play, and Martin Crow was an incredible player. Wow. Well, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What a lot of legendary players. Yeah, in New Zealand, especially at that time. Yeah, so, so let's talk music for a little bit. Um, I saw you guys live, and I've never seen you do an electric show. So, <clears throat> wow! When you went out with Hinder, that's when I saw you do an acoustic show. You were in Salisbury, Mass. Um, <laughs> what made you pick Gangsters Paradise as one of the covers you did in that? <laughs> um, well, you know we. Matt and I heard that song while we were sort of writing and demoing for Awake in the Fire. And we heard that song and that intro came on. And we were like, man, you know, a band could do like a really cool kind of metal rock cover of the song. And and we were like, well, we know a band. You know, let, let's, uh, let's just start working on it. So kind of every night while we were writing and recording Awake in the Fire, we'd, we'd open up. A gangster's paradise, and we just start working on it, just just kind of as a way to unwind, you know, after the the day in the studio, mm-hmm. and and then um and then kind of next thing we knew, we kind of listened back to it, and we we played it for Ken, and uh and he really loved it, and, and we played it for our friends in New Zealand, you know, as amongst like a lot of demos we've been working on for that record, and they all just wanted to listen to it over and over and over again. Now, like, man, you have to put the song on the record. So I think for us, it was just the the challenge of 
taking a song, you know, from a totally different genre and, and putting it into our style. It was kind of, it was, you know, creatively quite exciting. Yeah, I, I think that says a lot about you guys as a band that you can actually do that and pull it off that maybe a lot of other yeah. bands mightn't do that, you know, that they'd say, there's no way I'm even touching that sort of a song. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Well, um, yeah, it was interesting, you know, the intro came together straight away, you know, sounding like awesome, you know, as soon as, you know, Matt put down that guitar and then we came in with the heavy instruments, we were like, oh, this sounds amazing. And then we got to the verse and it was like, I don't rap, you know, we had no idea what the hell we were going to do in those verse parts. And so uh, it was it was awesome, man. It was kind of like almost writing the song from scratch, a lot of that verse. You know, you got the lyrics, but we wanted to kind of put a melody to it and kind of make our own sort of rhythms and, and, and patterns out of it. So, yeah, it came out, you know, we were really happy with it. Um, it was a lot of fun to do. And then that just seemed to be a song when we'd go into radio stations they would have heard that we did a cover of it and they would just ask if we could play that you know as one of the songs we did acoustically on air and uh you know kind of once we learned a version it seemed to ironically translate well to an acoustic version and you know it was always kind of funny to to be doing an acoustic cover of one of our own covers of like a classic hip-hop song, you know? It was pretty far removed, which is also, you know, in turn a cover, I guess, of, of Stevie Wonder's uh, Pastime Paradise, I think. So it was pretty far away from the original intent of the song, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, another tour I know you did, um, I believe you played some of the shows that California Breed did with Glenn Hughes. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, we did. That was on the Alterbridge tour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was that was that was amazing. Did you get yeah. a chance to sit down with Glenn and pick his brain at all? Um, well, I don't know if we picked his brain. You know, we we got certainly a lot of chances just to hang out with him and and being be around him. Like, really, really interesting dude. You know, I mean, incredible singer, incredible musician, and uh, yeah, to to get to share the stage and to get to you know have those conversations with those kind of people is just, I mean, it's just huge, you know? Um, just some, I mean, rock royalty, basically, such inspiring dudes that have had such incredible careers. So, yeah, we're always grateful to get to do that. Yeah, yeah. Now, the Awaken the Fire album is three years old, and, you know, it, for, for a three-year gap now for an older band, it's kind of the norm. But for a younger band like yourselves, that can seem like an eternity. Was there any particular reason why it took that long to do a new record? Yeah, I mean, there are a few reasons. Awaken the Fire came out in the U.S. and we we hadn't, we toured Canada, you know, and while we were based in New Zealand, we'd played in New Zealand. But we hadn't toured, you know, Europe. We'd never toured Australia. Um so it came out in the U.S. first. We taught it a lot, kind of, in the U.S., for so maybe the first year and a half to two years. And then we started uh, touring Europe more and more. And so we were kind of winding things down in the States. We were getting ready to make our next record. And then we were, you know, getting offered tours in Europe and U.K. I think we did one with 
you know, Alterbridge and, and Gojira and Bowlby, and that was while we we had taken time off to, to make what became Catacombs. But, you know, all those kind of tours, man, you, you don't want to pass them down. You know, we love all those bands, and um, touring New Terror is always, you know, such a lot of fun, and to see those fan bases grow as, as they did when we first started touring the U.S. So, you know, people in the States would be saying, oh, man, you guys... You know, been working on that album a long time. You know, we're telling them we've been to Europe four times in the last year. You know, we've just just come back from touring Australia and New Zealand. And uh, about six months into the recording process, we realized we'd been touring for five of those months, you know? Mm -hmm. And we're like, okay, time to sort of take a bit more, you know, shift the focus and really time to isolate and separate ourselves from touring and from everything else that's going on and really, you know, dig deep on this record. And, um, I, I mean, once we started that and so many ideas started flowing, I think then we knew we also needed to push ourselves further and we needed to go deeper on this record, you know, just to fulfill, I don't know, the artistic vision we had for it, you know? Yeah. all the acoustic based songs I thought maybe that might rub off on you a little and you might have an acoustic based track or two on the new record but it's crushingly heavy <laughs> yeah yeah um, I mean the acoustic thing is something that we really really like to do you know I think when you when you kind of break those songs down and it's just you and 
acoustic guitar and there's no there's no lights, there's no volume to hide behind. You know what I mean? There's a really um, honest connection with uh-huh. the song. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, I kind of see that as a different side of what we do. I think on previous records we were trying to do, we were wanting to do the two in the same album. You know, yeah. So we, we'd have this range going from soft songs to heavy songs, and the more we kind of did those sort of acoustic tours, the more we played acoustic on radio, we kind of realized that it's almost a, a separate side of what we want to do, you know, and they balance each other out really well. So rather than sort of wanting to, you know, turn, make either the acoustic song slightly heavier to fit or the heavier song slightly, you know, more mellow to fit, we kind of just decided to make the heavy ones what they were and then, you know, we'll, we'll look at uh, doing an acoustic album, you know, hopefully on this album cycle and, and that'll give us a chance to sort of, you know, show showcase, I guess, and, and push that side of the music. Yeah, so you want to do something like what Alice in Chains did with the, the studio albums and then the acoustic EPs. Yeah, I mean, I always loved when those bands would do that. You know, um, Nirvana Unplugged was an amazing, you know, amazing example of that. Uh, STP, Stone Devil Pilots did one. You know, all those bands who would have these these albums and, and just have such a vibe to them and then be able to break them down and do them in a totally different way and, and play them acoustically. I think, uh, you know, yeah, creatively that's really, really interesting and and when an artist can do that, you know, to me it's really inspiring. Yeah. Now, for, for this record, Catacombs, uh, were you able to write on the road at all or are you just not able to do that? Yeah, we did, man. Um, we we wrote a lot on the, on the on the road. I mean, it was one of the things. You know, we were winding down the touring here, you know, and we we're sort of committing ourselves to to really working on this album, and then getting offered so many tours, you know, in these other markets. We kind of had to make that promise to ourselves that we were going to use every off moment we could to work on the album. So, I mean, I can remember working on. You know, the song Catacombs while we're in Spain. You know, we had a, a day off and I and um Kent Matt and I ended up spending or maybe it was a day or two, spending a, a day or two in uh Barcelona and then we flew to the next stop on the tour. And I remember um the next show was in Brussels and we were on the plane and, and we we're getting ready to take off and the, the pilot, you know, comes over the loudspeaker and he starts telling everyone to you know, buckle their seatbelts and turn their cell phones off. And it's when I first got the idea for the song Hole in My Heart. Mm-hmm. So I turned off my phone and I had to kind of get it out as quickly as I can, turn it back on and record like voice memos of it. <laughs> and uh, and a, f- a few days later, I was listening to different voice memos I'd done and, and that one came up and it was awesome because I could hear the, you know, the pilot talking in the background. Um, so I think, you know, you get really inspired, or at least we do, when we're playing every night. You know, when you've got that energy of performing, that energy, that connection with the crowd. Uh, so we write a lot of ideas while we're on tour, but, you know, sometimes to really take those ideas as far as they can go, you know, and really flesh them out, you know, you kind of need to be off the road. You know, you kind of 
need to be just solely focused on that to really uh, turn those ideas into the finished songs. Yeah. Chris, can you remember the first song you wrote for the record? Because that can normally set the template for the rest of them. Like if it's a really heavy song, you're probably thinking, yeah, the album's going to go that way. Um, the first song we wrote for the album would have been uh, Pure Evil. Well, Pure Evil and, and Bullet in the Head were kind of the first two that we wrote for it. Uh, Pure Evil, we'd had a lot of that kind of hanging around from Awaken the Fire era. We had, I think, you know, the intro and 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 a few ideas for that song, but we never really had time to, you know, to finish that song and take it to where we wanted it to go. Um, we knew with that song we wanted it to be like really epic. You know, we wanted to have these huge kind of contrasts between you know, this mellow music and this really heavy music. And uh, and we knew we wanted to take the song on a journey. And so going into this record, we kind of started with that one, which was a, um, I don't know, for us a really ambitious place to start, but I'm really glad we did because, as you say, it really did set the tone musically for what we wanted to do with this album. Yeah, Pure Evil is my favorite song on the record. Oh, awesome. Thank you, man. Yeah, I think it's a great way to finish it. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're really happy with that song. And, um, you know, we were finishing that song. <laughs> we were finishing that song right before we did one of these tours uh, with Alter Bridge. I think we wanted to get a new song out whilst we were finishing the record. And, um, you know, we ended up finishing it, you know, hours before we got on the plane. You know, to to start that tour. So we also we kind of carried that sort of insanity in terms of a workload. We carried that through the rest of the record too. Yeah. So it really was self-produced. It really was, man. Um, yeah, we didn't <laughs> we didn't uh, you know necessarily start out with that intention. Uh, we produced the last record, and um, you know, three of us, Matt Kent and I, have always recorded our own demos and always, you know, recorded songs and that kind of thing. But we entertained the idea of working with other people. And, um, you know, we just really weren't happy with what we heard back. You know, we didn't feel like they were grasping the vision the same way that we were. Yeah. So we ended up having to sort of, uh, pure evil was an example of that. You know, we thought we had a, a week off between uh, the headline tour we were doing in the States and, and this Alter Bridge tour. And we thought, you know, we had this week off where we could just rehearse for the next tour. And then we really weren't happy with the mix of the, the mix we were hearing back of that song. And so Matt and I came uh, back to Vegas and basically spent that week, you know, retracking things, uh, remixing things. I mean, there are easily a hundred tracks, you know, and, and, in that song like just you know between guitars vocals and, and uh, all sorts of programming so you know the week leading up to that I think we were sleeping you know an hour a night or two hours a night at most you know, finishing this song but you know despite just the insane amount of work I think when you hear the song back and you're really happy with it and it's kind of met that vision you had you kind of have no choice but to you know, continue doing it that way. 
Yeah, I, I must go through the, the CD booklet now and see how many airports you've listed in the writing credits. How many what, man? How many airports you've got listed in the writing credits. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, I mean, Pure Evil, there's a, there's a vocal in the in the middle of, of Pure Evil. There's this hallelujah part. And um, Matt recorded that in McCarran Airport at Las Vegas um, at the gate waiting to waiting to board the plane. <laughs> you know, he got he got that idea and uh, he just kind of, you know, quickly brought out his laptop and recorded it in there. And that's the... Uh, you know that's the that's what we ended up using for the album. Yeah. So so Chris, what have you got coming up? You've got some show, shows in the states. Yeah, we've got um this massive tour lined up with um with shit with Godsmack and Shinedown. Okay. So we go out with them. It's uh like a an amphitheater run, um, which is the summer. You know, is just incredible. Um, love both of those bands, and I mean for us, it's just such a great way to start off this touring cycle and we do it so we do that and then we go to europe and uk with godsmack and actually just got announced today so this is the first interview that i can talk about so there you go nice nice uh do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can get in touch with you or the band uh yeah i mean like a storm.com is our website uh facebook dot com slash like a storm I assume is our Facebook. Uh and I'm pretty sure if you type in like like a storm they'll they'll have a better idea where we are than I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Well I know you've got a run of interviews to do, so it's been a pleasure talking to you. Hey uh, thanks so much man. Great talking to you uh, too. And the new album's excellent, Catacombs, highly recommend it. Thank you so much man. I appreciate that. All right, take care of yourself. You too man. Yeah. All right, there you go, Richie's talk with Chris Brooks from Like a Storm. And, uh, hey, you know, here we are, week back, and hopefully you enjoy a little bit of discussion and a little bit of interview, and that's kind of how we were always thinking the show would, would be. So, hey, we mission accomplished for this week, but, um, yeah, I think that's a wrap. Mm-hmm. That's everything. So uh, I think next week we have, uh, what, a talk with uh, with Roxy Petrucci from Vixen. Yeah, we've never had uh, anyone from Vixen on the show, and they've got it. A great new live album out on Rap Pack. Yep. And um, when I think back at that band, it's a big hair image, outside songwriters, gloss production. Yeah. Um, good songs, very good. They're well able to play. Yeah. When you listen to the live record, it's raw. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very, very good. Um, I've been listening to it a lot. And um, they're still, they still sound great. Yeah. So that's... Uh that's what we have coming up for next week, but that's it for this week. So, you know, make sure you can uh, you can hook up with Richie on Facebook and leave whatever comment you want. He won't delete it. I, I don't know how to. And uh, obviously <laughs> follow us on Twitter and, and, of course, the main website, focusonmetal.com. Uh, focusonmetal.net. You can go there. There's all kinds of interviews there from the, all the years we've been on. But uh, that's it for this week. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for myself and Uh, me, that's right. Uh, That is it for this week. So until we talk to you again next week, remember, focus on metal. Everything else is insignificant.
it's over. Go home.